0: Man, go ahead and be seated. Uh, if you'll go ahead and get your Bibles out, go to Exodus chapter 4. As we get to Exodus chapter 4, I'll uh, give you some, some insight on some things here. I came across a posting the other day. My, my message this morning, I've got it entitled, What's in Your Hand? I came across a posting on social media the other day. It was rather interesting that it mentioned that a new land speed record had been set by A toddler as soon as toddler heard mom say what's in your hand how many of you can relate to that when you see that child take off <clears throat> we've got two grandchildren that are under 2 years of age and i guess it's official now we're going to be bringing in number 5 our fifth grandchild so that's that's new for us it's kind of like sideline here it was interesting we looked at christmas time and or actually it was Mother's Day. We had everybody over at the house, my mom, my mother-in-law, and all the kids and the grandkids. And Trish looked at me and she says, It's kinda of like having a student ministry sitting in the in the in the den. <laughs> yes, it is. So, but number five is on the way. But we have two grandsons that are under two years of age. And my next to the youngest one, he's a little guy. And it took him forever to be able to walk. This little guy, he's got the shortest legs. The rest of his body is looking me, but he's got little bitty legs. And it's like, wow, little bitty legs until he gets something in his hand. That boy can move. And I'm like, what is in your, come, come back, get, get, get. and you know, as you start to stutter as you, as you're trying to get it, Wait, get, 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 and then you figure it out and, before they get it in the mouth. But what is in your hand? You know, that's the thing that, that we keep looking at. You'll look at it and look at your kids and go, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And what happens when we ask a child that question? Hmm. they get the death grip on it. Have you ever tried to pry a toddler's hand off of something and you're afraid you're going to hurt either yourself or them? And you're like, how did the... You know, it's like, that's a little bitty hand. I know I'm stronger than you are, but they get a death grip on it. It's like, oh, what's going on there? Okay, you should be in Exodus chapter 4 now. Let me give you some background on Exodus chapter 4 with where we're at. Moses has already left Egypt. He did the thing in Egypt where he killed an Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And some of the other Hebrews saw it. And so he took off. He's over in Midian. And he has already saved the girl from the shepherds while he was at the well. And he gets married. And he becomes a shepherd. He becomes a shepherd. Now he's on the side of the mountain. And he has the burning bush experience. So he's getting to have a chance to talk with God. He and God are conversing. God has already spoken to him, and God has already said, "Here's what I want you to do. Here's where I want you to go. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what you to do. And Moses starts coming up with excuse after excuse after excuse. Well, God, what about this? Well, God, what about this? What about this? What if they don't? Be? So finally, we end up in chapter four here. So if you will follow with me as we read through verses one through five of Exodus chapter four. Moses then answered, God, what if they won't believe me and will not obey me, but say the Lord did not appear to you? The Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Then he, the Lord, said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Moses ran from it, but the Lord told him, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continues, so that they will believe that Yahweh, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Pray with me if you would. Fathers, we come to you this morning. We look into your word. I pray, God, that you would speak to us and help us to truly, truly, truly hear from you. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. I love this story. I love this story. When when Moses is standing there and God says, What's in your hand? What did Moses have in his hand? He had a staff. Do you realize what the staff represented? Moses was a shepherd, so what did the staff represent for the shepherd? Number of things. The staff was part of his identity. He's a shepherd. You could walk through town and you saw somebody with a shepherd staff, you knew they were a shepherd. It was kind of obvious. It was his identity. Moses protected the flock. Moses protected himself from wild creatures. So it was his protection. It was his identity and it was his protection. It represented who Moses was. Now look at what God asked him to do. He says throw it on the ground. Think of this. If your profession, if your profession were, and I don't have my iPad with me, but if your profession were your iPad, that was your your identity, your security, everything. You did everything through your iPad. And if God said, throw it on the ground, what would you do? Is there Apple care? <laughs> do I have it in a, in a good case? Oops, how did it land? Or would we just take it and toss it and go, okay, there it goes. Why would you ever take what, is your identity, it is your security, it is who you are, and toss it on the ground. A shepherd didn't do that. A shepherd rarely ever let go of their staff. The staff was, was so much a part of their life. Do you realize that the staff, they used it to kill animals, but one of the main things they used it to kill was snakes. Because typically the staff had a little bit more pointed in on it, and they could reach out and take a snake from a distance. <laughs> I think about that, and I look back at my house, and there was a day that my youngest had had come over. She and and, and my grandson, and I was going out to get something, and I walked to the front door, and we've got a glass door, and I walked up, and there lay about a three-foot-long copperhead on my front porch. Normally, I would look at him and go, okay, let me run you off, but today I said, "Mm mm-mm. If you're an animal lover, I apologize now. But I'm thinking, I'm going to relocate you to the trash can because my grandbaby's here. So I went out about the route around the, the backside of the house and came out and divided him. Divide and conquer in that case. About that far behind his head. We divided and conquered. So if you're going to kill a snake with a staff and you throw it on the ground and it becomes a snake, think about that. Hmm. The thing you're trying to take care of, it becomes. And it's like, wow. Now look at what Moses' response was. How many of you can relate to what Moses did? You see what it says? He ran. And I love the fact that it doesn't say he backed up. He ran. He ran. It doesn't tell us what kind of a snake it is. Now, when I was living in the Panhandle and living in Texarkana, I learned that there are good snakes and there are bad snakes. There's a king snake. That if you can get a king snake, a king snake will eat rattlesnakes and copperheads and water moccasins and mice and anything else. And I used to tell the people when I'd go to their barns, because we kept one in our barn, and I'd, I'd go to people's barns and say, Do you have a king snake? Well, why are you asking if I have a king snake? If you have one and I come across him, I'll be okay. But if I don't know he's there, he's fair game. And I don't want to take your king snake out because one we got through, when we lived in Arkansas, we started out. He was about that long. The last time I saw him before we left, he was about this long and about twice his size. And I'm thinking he's healthy, which means I don't have much around around out because we had copperheads, we had water moccasins, had a pond. I don't know that Moses took time to look and go, is that a good snake or a bad snake? From that kind of a distance, that fast, it's like, ooh, snake. Me, I'm going to jump back. I don't know if i turn around and run, because my luck, I'd turn around and run into a tree. <laughs> says Moses runs, but God catches him and says, pick it up by the tail. Thinking, I don't have a staff in my hand, and I'm picking up a snake. And I don't know which direction he's facing. That doesn't seem right, God. How is it that my safety, my security, my who I am, I throw it on the ground and it becomes a snake? But you notice something in this story that I think is very interesting? Everything that God had told Moses to do. He'd had an encounter with God. God said, here's what I want you to do. And Moses keeps coming up with excuse after excuse after excuse. You realize what it took for Moses to finally step out and do what God had asked him to do? Moses had to let go of something. God spoke, but God didn't move through Moses until Moses gave up something. Here comes with a question that I have posed to you. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? I did this message with the students a couple weeks ago. Actually, it was last week. We had had a game that we played that was called What's in the Box? And there is a box that has two holes in it. They sit down behind it on a stool. And they put their hands through. And we place objects in there for them to identify that they can't see. Like cold spaghetti, cooked spaghetti, cold cooked noodles, Twinkies. Did you pick up a Twinkie and not see what it is and know what it was? I had kids that were able to pick it up and go, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, what is that called? We really had fun. I'm going to tell this story on Wayne Rogers. Uh, Wayne sat down. We said, Wayne, come do it. And we gave Wayne jello. And it was red jello. Kind of stained his hands, which was kind of funny. He picked it up and was playing with it. What is this? What is this? What is this? I can't figure out. What is this? Then he says, is it liver? That would have been great, but I thought, no, I'm not going to waste money on liver. Um, he finally figured it out, but most of the kids would go, yep, I know what that is. Okay, yep, I know what it is. Some of them struggled a little bit, but as we got into the message that I was talking about, I said, okay, well, let's look at this. You were able to figure out in that game that we played what was in your hand fairly quickly, but let me ask you, what is in your hand right now? What are we holding on to? Metaphorically, because some of the kids were sitting there and the kids have a tendency to respond when we're, when we're talking. And they're sitting there and I said, what is in your hand? And one of them says "A Bible. I, I get that. But think of it metaphorically here. What is in your hand? There's something that's in your hand. There's something that's in my hand. Baby bottle. But what is in your hand right now? What is the one thing, if we look back at what the staff represented from Moses, it was Moses' identity. It was Moses' security. It represented who Moses was. God did not work through Moses until Moses let that go. What is in your hand? What do you got a death grip on right now in your life that you're saying, nope, this is mine? I'll be honest with you. I had this message planned for two weeks ago, Wednesday, for the students. We canceled because of weather. So I did it last week with the students. And God has been working on me with this. I keep going, okay, God, so what's in my hand? What's in my hand? What's in my hand? And I almost did that in a flippant way of, okay, what's in my hand? Until God really, really kind of just shook me up and says, I listened to him ask me the question of, what's in your hand? minus fear. I've got a death grip on fear. God, if you do what you really want to do in my life, what's that going to mean? Am I going to be uncomfortable? Am I going to have everything that I'm thinking? Are you going to do things that I want you to do the way I want you to do them? Or am I going to be able to just to trust God to let God do what God wants to do in God's time the way he wants to do it? Wow, it's kind of like what Moses was saying. God, I can't, I can't, I can't. What about all these excuses that he gave? That was me. I was sitting there going, fear. I've got a death grip on fear because I've lived my life for a long time in fear of, okay, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? What's the plan? And it's like, ooh. I was not like Moses. I was not at a point to where I could say, God say, what's in your hand? Well, here's what's in my hand. I just stopped and think about it. I had to realize what it was. I had to take time and ask God, God, would you reveal to me what it is that I've got a death grip on? And sometimes I feel like in my life, I'm just like that toddler They gets something in their hands and the parent says, what have you got? What is in your hand? And I take off running. God catches up and goes, okay, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? I love it with, with, with little Maddox. He's our, our next to the youngest. Maddox will grab hold of something, and it's right there. And he doesn't want to let go of it. He has an older brother and sister. He's learning to share. So when he gets hold of something, it's there. It's there. And sometimes we have to say, okay, let's see what it is, and we work his hand out. I think if we look at that and we make the the relation back to what God does with us, so many times God will look at us and say, what's in your hand? Is it because God does not know what's in our hand? God knew what was in Moses' hand. He wanted Moses to talk to him, admit what it is. Okay, here's what's in my hand. What's in your hand right now? What's in your hand? What has been your identity, your security, has been everything that you are that you're holding on to? Because here's what's happening in a lot of cases. With as many years as I've been in ministry, here's what I'm finding out. If you've come to the place in your life to where you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you a born again believer, you've had an encounter with God. You've had an encounter with God and there's a lot of times that God wants to do some things and God has been telling you some things but we've got hold of something. We've got hold of something. God's not going to do anything until we let go of it. He's not going to work through us until we let go of it. And a lot of times what I find out is the thing that we let go of God turns around and gives back to us to use for His glory. Look at what Moses used the staff for, that God did through Moses using the staff later on as he went through the desert with the children of Israel. As he led the Hebrew children out, the staff was prominent in what took place. Moses had to be willing to let go of it God gave it back to him. That doesn't mean everything that God's going to give it back to you. It may be something you just need to let go of and say, you know what, the fear, i got to let go of that. God's gonna, I'm, I'm praying that God returns that to me as courage and strength. That's what I'm praying that he does. But what is it in your life right now that you've got a hold of? You may be at a point that you may be looking and going, you know what? I've never gotten to the place that I've placed my faith and trust in Jesus, but I need to do that. And you're just holding on to doubt. I don't know. Are you willing to let go of that? When you let go of that, you know what God brings back to you? Hope and a future. Hope and a future. And if you need to do that, you realize it's a simple process. It's a lifelong process. But to get to the point that you acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you need Jesus Christ, ask him into your life. Scripture says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you are saved. Maybe you're at a point to where this is a place to where you've been coming and you want to say, you know what? God has spoken that this is the place, Murphy Road Baptist Church is where I need to be, but you're saying, no, nope, I'm going to hang on to this. I'm going to hang on to this. I'm going to hang on to this. God says, you need to be here but you're hanging on to this because it's like, whatever it is, God says, I want to work through you, but you got to let go of whatever this is first. And you may be at a point to where you're like, you know what? I know God has spoken. I'm a regular attender. I've been a member here for years. I know God has spoken. I know, by the way, uh, side note, you realize... That when you retire, you may retire from your employment, but I don't find anywhere in Scripture to where there's retirement from what God wants to do through you and in you. I'm, I'm just saying. Maybe God has spoken to you and said, I want you to do this or this or this, and you're going, mm-mm, but you don't know what it is you've got hold of. One of the ways that Wayne figured out what he was holding in the box, we started giving him clues. People from the outside started giving him clues. Think about this. Think about this. Think about this. What about this? He figured it out. We didn't have to tell him. Whatever is in your life that you're hanging on to right now and you're going, I have no clue, but I know there's something because God's not doing what God needs to do. What is it that's in your hand? Would you pray about it and say, God, would you reveal this to me of what I need to let go of for you to do the work in my life that you want to do? But Like I told the students, be careful. If you pray that prayer, God may answer it. And it may not be the answer that you're looking for. It may not be the answer that you're looking for. But God knows what it is. And the way that that answer may come to you may not be God just revealing it to you. It may be other people that come up to you and say, "Um, yeah, what about this? What about this? Or maybe just in a conversation, that comes up and you realize, oh, good grief. That's what I've been hanging on to. That's what I've been hanging on to. The way God used it to reveal to me that one of the things I'm hanging on to is fear. There's a couple of books I've been reading. I'm not an avid reader. I have a problem with with ADD, ADHD, and some slight dyslexic, major dyslexic tendencies. I don't read a lot. I've been reading these books and just devouring these books. They've been so good, and God's used them to speak to me and to reveal to me fear. Fear. Because it may not be the way... I'm used to doing things. It may not be the way I'm used to doing things. Ooh, a little bit of uncomfortableness. I heard this saying years ago when I was, was um, at other churches. You know the seven last words of a dying church? We've never done it that way before. That's not true just for churches. That's true for us. Moses had used the staff to take care of sheep. Moses had used a staff to protect sheep. It, it identified who he was. Look at what God was preparing him for as he led a nation of people out of bondage across the promised land to what God had promised them. Wow. He was still a shepherd. He was shepherding people, not sheep. What does God want to do in your life? What does God want to continue to do through your life? At whatever stage in life you are. But is God going to do it until you let go of whatever it is that's holding it back? Moses had to let go of the staff. God used him. What does God want you to let go of? You're the one that has to answer that question. Other folks may give you hints. But ultimately, you've got to answer that question. What's in your hand? What is it that's holding back? We said a while ago, there were many, many excuses that Moses gave of why he couldn't. Moses had to release his identity. Moses had to find his identity in God. Pray with me if you would. And as you get to the point of praying this morning, I would ask that you would would pray one of three different things. One, if you've never gotten to the point to place your faith and trust in Jesus, I would pray that today would be the day that you would go to God in prayer and say, I need to change this. I need you in my life. And I'll be down here after, the, after we're, we're finished if you have questions about how to do that. Maybe you're at a point that you know that God has spoken to you. You know what it is that you're hanging on to that you're not quite letting God do what he needs to. Because you're still hanging on to something. And you know what it is and you just need to release it. You would pray God help you to release whatever that is to him. Or that you're in the last part to where you know God has spoken. You know you've got a death grip on something but you can't quite figure out what it is. That you would pray and say, God, reveal to me what it is I need to let go. And that we would have the courage, the strength to let that go and let God do what it is God wants to do. Fathers, we come to this time right now. I do ask that you would continue to reveal to me the things that I need to let go of the things that are part of my identity, the things that I feel a security in. And God, that I would be able to let go of those. And Father, I pray the same thing for our church. As individuals and as a church, that there are things that we may need to let go of for you to move the way that you want to move. Because God, you have spoken, you have given us instructions, and you want to do some great things. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand in worship together.